Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Let's pray. Holy mystery and ever-loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. May we hear what we need to hear. May we feel what we need to feel. Help us to recognize. Amen. So on December 30th, I began the 1,200-kilometer commute from Vancouver, British Columbia to Calgary, Alberta, right here. And this was a drive, believe it or not, that I had never done before. Parts of it were extremely familiar to me, but most of it, especially because all of the floods and slides that happened earlier in the fall that kind of derooted traffic, uh, most of it was unfamiliar to me. And by the time I woke up on New Year's Eve in Revelstoke, everything was brand new. Every rocky spire shooting out of the ground, every mountain face around the next bend, every frozen river, every road sign, and certainly every degree below minus eight was brand new to me. I had a very, uh, what do you call it? Eugene, we're not in Kansas anymore moment. Since that morning, I have been surrounded with the unfamiliar. Every day, I do at least a dozen things for the first time. I meet a new neighbor. I learn the hard way I am on a one-way street. Even just this morning, I finally learned how the traffic signals worked and realized that I had been turning left illegally to get to the church for the past three weeks. Something new. I stop in a new coffee shop. I walk a new block. I try a new restaurant. Even the hockey jerseys are new here. You all aren't Canucks fans? What is this? I am looking with brand new eyes at a province, a city, a community, at a church that is completely previously unseen by me. It is uncomfortable. It is exciting. It's disorienting. It's adventurous. It's courageous, even if I dare say so myself. And yet there is something here. At first, I had a really hard time putting my finger on. There is something here that I deeply, truly recognize. And maybe you know the feeling. You walk into a stranger's house in the carpet for some reason. It just transports you back to your grandparents' place. Maybe you travel across the world and you catch yourself looking up at the moon and you realize that that same moon lives in both of those places. Maybe you encounter a total stranger and you have a moment where you just get each other. You've met a soul friend. Or perhaps your experience of this sensation isn't such a romantic one. Maybe you walk into a room that claims to be welcoming, but immediately your palms get sweaty and something familiar in your gut tells you, I'm not safe here. You go on a date with someone new and seemingly lovely and your body screams, go to the bathroom, climb out the window. Maybe the body you live in presents one way to the world but feels entirely different to you, its inhabitant. Maybe your cancer has been in remission for 10 years. Scans all say clear, but you, you feel something in your bones. 
there's something happening in our bodies, alerting us to the fact that our external perceptions of the world cannot possibly reveal everything to us. There is always going to be more we could learn, more we could see, more we could do, more we could understand, a reality that we're going to be blind to. There will be things we are not able to see as much as we try and keep those glasses clear of the fog. There will be signs we miss. There will be injustices that we fail painfully to notice. And yet our bodies, these creations of God's love filled with the holy, Paul writes in his letter, filled with spirit. Our bodies seem to know that. And they try to over and over again, step toward and bridge that gap between what we see and what we know as these vessels of love, where our eyes stop short, our bodies flicker in recognition. Now, I am a Jesus girl. That is just full disclosure. And so for me, for me, this awakening to the fullness of life that Tara talks about, for me, that happens through a relationship with Jesus. Our letter says it's in Jesus that we find out who we are and what we are living for. There are numerous paths we can take to this approach as people of spirit. Tara bases hers on stories of the Buddha. Others might see the way the sun uncurls the leaf of a plant through the kitchen window in the morning and notice that there is no judgment in that restricting or opening. Jesus is how I notice. How do you? Growing up, my parents had hung in the hallway of my childhood home an image from Playboy magazine. Now, I'm not going to let you sit and speculate on that too long before telling you it was an image titled The Laughing Jesus. And it was a drawing of someone's perception of Jesus. And his head was thrown back and he had elephant eyes. You know, when you laugh so hard that everything that could possibly wrinkle wrinkles, he had those. His mouth was wide open, just catching joy. It was such a human image of him that I could not help, even as a little child, be curious. I wanted to know more about him. I wanted to know what he did, how someone who knew he would die like that could laugh like that. I learned years later that nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere does it say Jesus laughed. It says Jesus wept. But again, our eyes cannot perceive it all. Surely he did laugh. Surely he experienced the vast range of human emotions we all do. Because that is what it means to be a provocative image. A friend and colleague of mine likes to say that Jesus is God condescending God's self to us. Another provocative image. But Christians do call him the word made flesh, son of God, born of a woman in the same way you or I entered this world, kicking and screaming, sticky and bruised. And when we recognize that these bodies we live in, 
and all of their complicated feelings, all of our complicated feelings about them, when we realize that those, these, are also what we share with God, that's when we can start to draw up the permission slip for ourselves that says, just be. Approach your body and its wildness with reverence, not with judgment. Approach your body with praise, not with persecution. Remember the creation story that says you are made in the image of God, filled with the holy, says Paul. So we practice like the video we saw earlier, and sometimes that practice is awkward. We practice letting the holy touch all of it. The parts of us that are ignorant, the parts that over or underreact, the parts that hurt others or that aren't willing to forgive those who hurt us. We let the holy touch the marginalized and oppressed parts of ourselves. We let the holy touch the privileged parts too. We let the holy touch the parts we pray so desperately we could change or the parts that the rest of the world wishes we could. We let the holy touch the pure and the unclean because that, that is what the holy does. And so the question our scripture asks us, the question that a mindfulness practice like RAIN asks us, the question we are asked uncomfortably in therapy sessions all around the world is, are you willing to give up what you think you know for the wisdom your body already has? Are you willing to wake up? Are you willing to test run a yes? a you embody spirit? Are you willing to stop in the middle of your reaction and invite yourself into a moment of recognition of the holy? Remember the permission slip. Don't worry, I'm not going to get it tattooed. Just be. It is possible that you might get very frustrated and swear off mindfulness as I have many times over. This is why I need Jesus. But it's also possible that you might find God there, waiting in the truth, the holiness, the loving kindness, and the compassion that flows endlessly underneath it all. We might recognize the truth, that we are alive. That is God's blessing. We might recognize holiness. We are awake. God makes known to us who and what we are. We might recognize that loving kindness that we are safe. We have received a place in the story of the world, in the divine family, the story of the universe. We might recognize compassion, that we are whole whole by the grace that says nothing we ever do will divide us from that narrative. Last week, you heard John speak a little bit about what it means for Hillhurst to be an upside-down church. That is a church that tips itself over, shakes itself out, and looks to see what's there. That is a great definition of recognize. What can we find here? 
if we open our eyes to it. It might be so beautiful. It might be disturbing. It might be terrifying. But we can't be who we are if we aren't willing to see who we are. As one of our presenters on Monday night said, you can't heal what you can't feel. So this past week, I have found myself practicing a lot of rain. And I will confess that in a spirit of experimentation and a little rebellion and my unwillingness to be mindful most of the time, I have found myself doing it upside down. Instead of practicing this mindfulness, this witnessing or waking up on myself, I've been practicing it on you. So last Friday, I sent out a message to this community asking for you to share with me your quintessential Hillhurst story, the one that lights you up, the one that you tell people when they say, why do you go to that church? And I received more than 40 submissions over the next few days. Every one of them took the time to speak to how they recognize this community working and affecting their lives. They were thoughtful and vulnerable and so gracious. And one person wrote something that I actually wrote down on a post-it to put above my computer when I was writing this sermon. They said, I like showing up to places where people are messy and they talk about how love did or didn't save them from that. Talk about recognition. Allowing the messiest parts of ourselves to be revealed in the hopes with the faith that love might be there when we're finished. Recognizing that we won't always feel it. The circumstances won't always change. The trance might even continue for a little while longer, even in the wake of what has been revealed. But we practice. Because that's part of the spiritual path. It's not about arriving at some perfect state, but recognizing that exactly where we are is sacred too. A lot has changed over the past few years for many of you. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about what I have recognized in your revealings to me. Some of you have never met in person, never even stepped foot in this sanctuary. Some of you have lost people, people you deeply love, relationships, people to death, illness. There is grief here, but there is also recovery. Some of you have found yourselves here, here again, here for the first time, where you never expected yourself to be. Many of you have stepped out of your comfort zones in order to stay connected, learning new technology or joining new groups so that you could be with one another. Some of you have sacrificed your own health and comfort and well-being for the sake of those you care about. And all of you who are here today, whether this is your very first visit or your hundredth, all of you have recognized something in this place that drew you in. I call that holy. And in my waking up and paying attention to that, you have helped me realize what exactly it was that felt so familiar to me when I arrived here, despite everything that was brand new. 
The reason I said I felt like I was being welcomed home despite only just starting to meet you. This is my first time in the sanctuary too. It was the laughing Jesus, the presence of an ever loving spirit moving in and with and through each of us as we do the very best we can to just be. A spiritual director of mine once offered up the thought that perhaps prayer is simply paying attention, recognizing. So the next time you catch yourself flushed after an uncomfortable encounter, worrying at 3 a.m., short of breath on the sea train, berating yourself or another, shaking in anger, crying on the floor, raising a fist to God or The next time you catch yourself lighting up in joy, tears running down your face because you were laughing so hard. The next time you catch yourself getting butterflies in anticipation, lighting up because you are talking about something you are passionate about. The next time you find yourself at ease in the arms of someone you care about. The next time you catch yourself feeling anything. Just be and honor yourself with the holy compassion bestowed on you by the creator and say the word. Amen. Amen meaning so be it. And say that word, say it crunchy, say it soft, say it with veracity, say it with sagacity, say it with dirt in your mouth and blood on your hands, say it with tears in your eyes, say it with distaste or say it with joy, with reverence, with doubt, with wonder, say it and recognize it as holy. Declare to it that emotion, that feeling, whatever it is, declare to your one wild and holy self So be it. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.